Well, hey, welcome to the Highland Groupcast. I'm Jeremy. I'm Emily. And today, we talk about grace and truth. And I'm really excited that we've got Pastor John Durham uh, on the Zoom with us. And so, John, how are you doing? I am good, Jeremy and Emily. Hope you guys are doing well also. Awesome. Well, hey, when we started talking about this, one of the things that uh, Emily said when she concocted this in her mind, because she always has the best ideas, uh, when we started talking about the episodes and she said, I I think for grace and truth, I want John. uh, 100%. 100%. And I'll say that you uh, have been one of two men in my life who I really think uh, are excellent in this, uh, in loving, caring, shepherding, in both grace and truth. And so, man, we're thankful that you can be here to share uh, a little bit of your insight with us and, uh, man, maybe help our people lead others with that grace and truth. And I think, you know, as we kind of think about, I think in the questions that Emily sent you, uh, we um, sent John 1, 14, which I think is a big one, uh, right? The idea that um, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So you get that uh, you get that picture of 100% human and 100% God, and then it finishes up with full of grace and truth. And that's the that's the hypostatic union I struggle with, right? The grace and the truth. And so um, Emily's got questions for yeah. you, but the first one, I think we just want to ask you something. <clears throat> yeah, this is more, you know, just, just purely theological, and I feel like that's the best place to start <laughs> as far as a topic sure. like this. So <laughs> how was Christ gracious to us while still remaining uh, truthful to his character, his nature, his God, um, you know, coming to us as man. He was full of grace and truth. We see that in his interactions, his life, and even him just becoming man and coming to us. So um, it's probably a loaded question, but if anybody can handle it, you can. No, that, that's great. <laughs> I, I love that the question, Emily, was was how, you know, how was Christ gracious? Because I started thinking that's pretty much the beginning of every question I have about mm. Jesus, like how, or even, you know, why, like how, to me, how and why are probably two of the greatest responses to Christ's coming, to Christ's character. Like, how can it be? Mm-hmm. And and why for me? And why uh, would I be a, 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 the recipient of you know of such grace? And so I, I love that you asked that short little question, how, because I think that's probably the best way. How and why are probably the best two responses of anything when it comes to, to Christ. Um, you know, as far as it, it means, you know, to us on on ministry, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a joy-filled thing and a peace-giving thing that we get to minister in that grace of Christ and in that truth of Christ. And if it was based on, you know, my truth or my grace or, you know, Jeremy's truth or Emily's truth or Jeremy's grace or Emily's grace, like we would be woefully short mm-hmm. or uh, woefully in error or, or woefully impatient. But the fact that we get to minister in that grace, in that truth, and according to that grace and that According to that truth of His presence in us, and what a what a grace filled thing! You know, the fact that Jesus perfectly came in grace and in truth, and theologically speaking, is still perfect in His grace and perfect in His truth. It wasn't just a two thousand year old truth, but it's a uh, a May twenty twenty truth as well. That He still mm-hmm. is filled with grace, which is comforting, and filled with truth, which is convicting. You know, not not condemning, but but convicting. Um, you know, I, I, um, I think he would be a very unknowable king, king and a, 
agent of creation and unapproachable light if he was just truth. Mm-hmm. He'd be terrifying, honestly, if mm-hmm. he was just truth. And we would all be but ashes and would not stand if that's if he was just 100% truth. But the fact that he is, again, that 100% truth and 100% grace, you know, the fact that um, he is grace also makes him approachable, causes him to be approachable mm-hmm. and causes him to be known. And then there's the opposite would be true. If he was just grace and not truth, um, he would probably be forgettable to us or definitely unimpressive to us or mm-hmm. soft. You know, I, why would I want to follow a soft person who is just grace and just giving and just forgiving? So, I mean, I, I guess theologically that's, you know, the, the, my first thought was praise his name, that he is both grace and truth. Or who would we be and who would he be if that was not true about him? Yeah, I remember we had a staff meeting uh, and you went through just a list of why it was important that uh, Jesus was full of grace and truth. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, maybe for um, for some of our leaders and, and for some of our people, that's, that's a thing that they really struggle with. I know that, um, you know, for me, that's one of the, I, I have a tendency if I'm going to, if I'm going to err on one side, I'm generally going to err on uh, the side of truth, which, again, I think can make people feel really awkward or strange or hurt even at times. Um, but when I think about like the idea of speaking the truth in love or, or even, you know, more importantly, the Philippians 4-2 that, um, that we want to consider others more significant than ourselves, one of the things that I always have running through my mind and I try and tell people is, in gentleness and humility, we deliver mm-hmm. truth. And so uh, we want to be, we want to stand on the truth of the scriptures, but we want to deliver that truth in gentleness and humility. So what would you say to someone who really struggles one way or the other? They, they, they want to be gentle, but they just, they just aren't, or they, um, they want to speak truth, but they're just terrified. How, how would you shepherd sure. them? Yeah, that's good. You know, I, I for, for leaders who are listening to this, who are, you know, shepherds and, and teachers and ABF leaders and CG leaders, you know, sharing truth with grace toward others is, is a Christ-like way to counsel and to teach. And interestingly enough, sharing grace with truth is also a very Christ-like mm-hmm. way to counsel and, and to teach. And what you said, Jeremy, is exactly what was on my heart today as well. We're going to lean, everyone listening to this, podcast, you're going to lean one way or the other. Uh, Some of it's just default and some of it's nature and some of it's nurture and some of it's just, you know, uh, personality, but it's it's really wise to know which way you naturally lean or by default lean. Um, And if you you lean, whether you lean toward grace or lean toward truth, and I'm, I'm like you, uh, Jeremy, I tend to lean more truth than grace. Therefore, I have to be intentional sometimes about grace. Um, or those who might lean more grace toward truth, you're going to have to be intentional toward that. So I think uh, maybe a couple of shepherding thoughts is one, you know, know who you are, first of all, and, and be self-aware in the presence of God. You know, do I tend to lean more toward truth or lean more toward grace? And once you realize that, again, a very important thing, even Solomon said, it's a prudent thing for a man to give thoughts to his own ways. And so you kind of need to know which way you naturally or, again, by default lean. 
And then I think, um, again, be very conscientious, very intentional of, man, I know I'm truth. Therefore, I need to make sure that I'm, I know some statements of grace, statements of grace, you know, things like um, you're loved and you're, you might feel convicted, but you're not condemned. You might feel wounded, but he has not left you. Um, and, and universal statements are really good grace statements. Like, Hey, a lot of people in this church struggle with what you're struggling with or personal experience is a great grace giver. When you say, I, I struggle with that also, or I have struggled with that in the past. And so those are grace statements. So if you lean toward truth, you know, have an arsenal of some statements of grace that you're ready to pull out of your tool belt. And then just the opposite. I think if you kind of lean grace, then you need to have some truth statements ready to go, such as thus saith the Lord. And as scripture tells us, and as difficult as this may be to hear, you know, dot, 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 that, that you're having those phrases kind of ready also to, to take out of your tool belt. And so being self-aware and then knowing some of those grace statements that are needed and some of those truth statements that are needed. Uh, you know, what's funny is for me, I lean on the other end where it's easier yes. for me to be I, I, nice. I, I, I you that. know this, I right? That, <laughs> I, <knew that. laughs> I really struggle. I know anybody that knows me is like, really? No, it's pretty obvious. But I struggle with the, the truth side of things. And I think one reason is that I kind of have this... Um, I don't know, this view, like you hear the word confrontation or rebuke, or, you know, you read these words in scripture. And like, for me, my first thought is just this angry, you know, conversation about how this person has done some grievous, you know, well, also it is grievous, but the sin that they've committed has some extreme consequence, you know? And so when really, I feel like biblically rebuke is just speaking truth graciously into the life of somebody that you're already living life with. And so I think, um, you know, in the context of relationship is where this best works itself out, you know, in friendship where, you know, the closer you get to other people, the more you rub up against each other and you start, you know, things start coming out of each other's hearts (laughs) and you start Mm -hmm. noticing, hey, wait a minute, that was a, you know, that was kind of a simple attitude or or thought or word or, um, and you start seeing it in yourself or the other person. But I do feel like in the context of relationship, this should be not something that happens once, you know, every few years, you know, it should happen Mm -hmm. regularly Mm -hmm. in a really gracious kind of loving way. Um, and so I don't know if you guys want to speak into that at all, but I know for me kind of wrapping my mind around, okay, speaking the truth and love is something that should, I should be identified by daily. Mm-hmm. Uh, it shouldn't be saved for, you know, moments that I view as really extreme or, you know, rare. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I, I think, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think one of the things that um, was really, really hard for me to learn. And, and John, this is one of those things that I think you're great at leading people into, um, is just the, I, my idea of love in the beginning was I love means that I don't hurt your feelings uh, or that you're, or I don't frustrate you or I don't upset you or I don't offend you. Um, and so it, how do you help people kind of reshape their definition of love so that they can speak truth and, understand that when they're doing it, they're doing it because they love the person, not because they don't like what the person is doing. Yeah, that's good. Anytime you deliver truth, it, it, it has to be enveloped in love or almost every time it's going to be pushed back upon. And so if you, if you give someone truth in your CG or someone in your family or someone in your ABF and they push back, it really, there's, there's three options. They didn't like that truth. Um, 
you didn't deliver it very well, or they don't trust the love behind that truth that was delivered, if that makes sense. And so I think it's always a good um, self introspection when you kind of confront somebody lovingly or rebuke somebody or challenge somebody. And if their very first uh, um, reaction is defensiveness, it may not always have to do with their heart. It could have to do with the love stance of the deliverer of that message, you know, so that's why it has to be enveloped in love or, you know, I think an interchangeable word there, truth has to be delivered with grace. Truth has to be delivered with love or else it is, it's difficult. It'd be easier if Jesus himself came down and gave us the truth because we'd go, (laughs) wow, you know, you're, you are truth and you are love. It's just more difficult when we deliver truth because sometimes maybe we haven't exhibited that love, or we don't have a track record uh, or foundation to stand upon. So I think that's, um, you know, if you ever err, have to err on one side, I think it's always better to give a lot of love because the truth is always more readily received when there's a lot of love all around it. Yeah. And I think too, even the, our tendency to want to make heart judgments, like as if I can judge your heart in a particular moment, like this is, Mm. this is the, this was the intention of your heart. Um, and, and so my, my favorite thing is young guys who, um, really get, um, just, they just grasp on the, the idea of walking with one another and they'll have like the brand new guy who comes in and then it's just like, they're, it's like the police, like, Hey, you did this and you're just full of pride. And you're like, what does that, what does that even mean? I don't, exactly. I don't understand. Exactly. And so trying to get people the, to understand like, no, when I, when I do this, I, I want to be able to walk with someone through outward, explicit, something that I can point to in the scriptures and say, this is what the scriptures say. This is the man or the woman that you say you want to be. How are you reconciling the, the fact that you're so far off seemingly, and this is the way you say you want to live. And so, yeah, I think that's the, that's, that's good. Just that's good. the, yeah. I read a tweet this week and I wish I could tell you exactly who said it. And you might know Jeremy, but it said you can either be impressive or you can be known. You can either be Mm. impressive or you can be known. And I was like, man, you know, the, the only way to really be known is to be around people who give grace and truth and people who receive grace and truth. If you don't want grace and you don't want truth, you can be really impressive, but you will not be a known, known person. I think that's probably a great, thought for Highland. Let's don't be impressive people. I don't want to be an impressive Mm -hmm. church. I don't want to be an impressive pastor. What if we just choose not to be impressive people and instead we're just known people We're you know, we know each other and are lovingly able to deliver truth to one another. Uh, I'd much rather be known than, than impressive. Yeah. Uh, I think too, here's a thing that, um, that maybe people don't know is that sometimes, uh, people deliver words to you in uh, a less than loving way. Um, people don't, people don't know what? like people have opinions and stuff about the things that you say. So, so here's my question. I had a great, um, I had a great pastor friend one time just tell me people are going to share things with you, and and here's the best way to handle it. You can take the truth of it, and you need to examine it. Um, so, my question to you is: when someone delivers a word to you, but they do it unkindly. What, what's kind of the process you go through of kind of evaluating, uh, okay, I don't like the way they said it. Uh, in fact, I hate sure. the way they said it, but is it true? Uh, and then on the other side, how maybe would you shepherd um, shepherd a leader or a, 
um, or just a regular member of our church who's just trying to walk with people faithfully, how would you shepherd them in the way that they interact or engage with people? Like what's a practical thing you think of? Yeah, that's good. You know, usually when someone sends me an email that's not very kind, I uh, pray for their salvation, but then realize I have to, <laughs> then realize I have to pray for my own salvation after that. So, uh, you know, I, I, uh, my dad said this to me 18 years ago when I became a lead pastor for the first time. He said, you need to pray every day, and I'm praying for you, son, that your heart stays soft and your skin becomes thick. Hmm. You know, you, you're going to have to hear things and not let it penetrate your heart or your self-worth or, you know, even your kind of just your, your, your personal soul, you know, those safe spaces. And so I will say that as a 51, almost 51 year old, I've gotten better and better at this. I'm hoping by the time I'm a hundred, I'll be really good at this. But I, I do think that anytime you, know, you said it very well, very wisely, Jeremy, I think when you get something that's a little biting or a little harsh or a little direct and, and you realize your first reaction is an emotion, then it's probably a good idea to step back and go, okay, wait a minute. Was that emotion I just felt, you know, a sense of jealousy, a sense of pride, a, a pride, a sense of defensiveness, or maybe I think I've noticed in my own life, sometimes it's a sense of conviction. Like what they said there was, you know, even though it was enveloped in not so kind words or, you know, kind of harshness, there really was some truth in there. And so just kind of learning to, to pick, you know, to t- toss out the bad and, and to hold on to the good. And sometimes you have to, dig deep to find the good and sometimes it's one percent that's all that, that's in there that's good but really kind of using that uh, to evaluate and I, I think Kerry Newhoff says this he says you know the other portions of it take it to the Lord before you take it to your heart or take it to the Lord before you take it to your mind and really just you know again ask God are there some things in here that you know ouch you know but true or there's some things in here really that were almost a subtle attack from the enemy of just you know what a worthless person or what an incapable leader that you are and um, so, I, you know, I, I think there's, there's a lot of wisdom in that search for that small, maybe percentage, or maybe it's a, more than a small percentage. Take it to heart. Ask God what needs to be changed in you. And then um, I have learned that it's probably good to wait a little while to respond by email, if that's how it came through, or by text, unless you realize what you can say back to them would be honoring to them and honoring to the Lord, even if it felt dishonoring to you. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've actually had some pretty good practice since I was 22 and, and getting some, <laughs> yeah. getting some emails that weren't so kind, you know, sheep really do bite. So yeah, uh, they do. Uh, yes. I don't know how many times I've written and then deleted and then rewritten yeah. and then deleted and yeah. then rewritten and then deleted and then handed it to my wife and say, well, how does this sound <laughs> to you? Um, and praise the Lord for a good wife, man, who can read Absolutely. over emails and who feels things in a lot different way than I do. Um, which is why it's good to have someone like Emily with a lot of, uh, a lot of grace. Yeah, the, the grace to balance out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I do have a question then kind of based on uh, even that just kind of feedback from, uh, one of the things that I noticed is that every time someone comes and preaches at Highland, they make reference to your arms every single time, like hands down, bar none. My yeah. question to you is, how do you keep your head from getting as big as your arms? <laughs> That's a great question. man. It, it really is funny. I think part of it is um, I look at my calves and go, oh, wait a minute. I'm really not that strong at all. <laughs> There's all, there's always a counterbalance to that. You know, I, um, it, it, it is, it cracks me up and 
there's been times that I've been listening to Highland, you know, online, or maybe I'm, you know, on a vacation with Jennifer or on a mission trip with, with Billups. And before that person even speaks, I'll go, I'm going to give them three sentences before they make a comment about my biceps. <laughs> and sure enough, I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably batting about 500, <laughs> 600 on that for, for, for sure. No, man, it, it, I think it's so funny to me. And again, this is probably a 50 year old perspective. I realize that day by day, my body is giving out praise the Lord day by day. My inner man is being renewed. I know I'm not bringing my, my biceps or my brain or my small calves with me. So the, 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 <laughs> the bigger biceps don't get to my head and the uh, smaller calves don't get to my self-esteem. So um, it, that's a great question and a very funny question. And I love it when visiting preachers make comment on that. It cracks me up every yeah. time. Do you prefer Pastor John or Pastor Pump? <laughs> you know, I guess my third one is just John. Is it works well? Okay, that's fair. Emily, before I derail us completely, yeah, I was about to say. Do you have one more <laughs> question? Rain, well, my, I could do this all day with you. No, man. I think this is great. Okay, so the last question I have for you, uh, John, is more practical, uh, specifically mm-hmm. to the people of Highland. And one of the things, so we talked to Beth Smith the other day about loss and grief, and she said something mm-hmm. really profound about how um, you you need to really be building your foundation before the loss ever comes and you know the as far as the best way to handle it you know and so I think about that wow. with if with regard to anything and even with our speech and a lot of times um, you know speaking the truth in love like preparing mm-hmm. for that uh, I feel like has to happen a lot a long time before <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. and in deeper yeah. ways <clears throat> than actually just thinking about the words or you know planning the conversation itself and so what are some practical things that we as members of Highland can do uh, kind of to be ready to minister truth and to minister to the word uh, minister the word to people in need around us so you know practically you know what would you say are some things that we can do to prepare for that sure that's good um, you know without sounding just too very um, Sunday school answerish, or maybe I should say ABF answerish <laughs> when I say this, you know, it, 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 you're right. I mean, Beth has so much wisdom and what a great, great answer for the question you asked her. I think my answer would be pretty much very similar to that, you know, for, for leaders and shepherds and, uh, you know, CG, ABF staff members, we, we have to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness and that's always been one of the most interesting things that Paul told Timothy, I think, because we we talk, and, and rightfully so, so much biblically and theologically and what Christ has done in us and how it's his power, not our power. It's, it's his, his grace and not just that we chose God on some lucky day for God. But then it Paul kind of turns that a little bit when he goes, but you have to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And so I think just that discipline of being in God's word as a leader there's there's really not a shortcut to giving good, truth-filled, grace-filled counsel and teaching to others than being in God's word yourself. You know, we none of us is capable of being a spiritual travel agent where we're trying to send people places spiritually where we have not been ourselves. And so I think it's so important that that you know we again discipline ourselves to be in God's word. Um, and then applying God's word to our own life or, or applying the gospel to our own life or to our own thoughts or to our own spending practices, to our own marriage, to our own child raising philosophies and techniques. And so, um, you know, I will say it's, it would be a lot easier to be a, a, a leader at Highland, a minister at Highland, a pastor at Highland, 
um, and not have to apply the same things to your own life that you're preaching or teaching, but there's an ineffectiveness to that. And so just that discipline of being in God's word, um, you know, I think maybe and this may, this may sound again, so elementary, but one of the real practical ways to minister, to counsel, to, to love others is to just be on the lookout for those opportunities. You know, I, I think the, the opportunities are, are all around us. I had a missionary friend once tell me in Honduras, he said, we can do more ministry by accident in Honduras than you guys do on purpose in America. Wow. And I, I actually think that that might have changed in the past eight to 10 to 12 years in our nation and probably definitely in the last eight weeks of our, of our nation. There's just opportunities galore to, to minister, to counsel, to teach, to share the gospel, to apply the gospel. And so I think just looking for those that need a, need a word of encouragement and looking for those that need a word of, of challenge um, I guess the last kind of practical thing, I hope this is kind of along the, the lines of question that you asked, Emily, but, mm-hmm. but, you know, be, be ready to share your experiences, but don't let the experience be the counsel. You know, it, it still has to be God's word that is the, the counsel. And so I, I think that sometimes we're so readily to share our own experience, even, you know, we kind of encouch it in a godly word or spiritual word like testimony, but then we forget to take them back to scripture. So, uh, you know, I think a good thing for me to be reminded of maybe all the listeners is that the power is the power of the word that, that brings life change to people. I mean, certainly the presence of Christ in them fed on the word of God that we get to, um, we get to share. And so I, I think that's something that's kind of in my heart recently is just, we're quick to give our experience. We're quick to even say it's our testimony we better be quicker still to give God's word because our experience, our words tend to fall to the ground. Eventually they certainly aren't given promise of, of, you know, um, of power or the purpose for which they were sent, but God's word always has power in it. God's word always accomplishes the purposes for which it was sent. And so that would be kind of my three real practical things. Be in God's word yourself, be on the lookout for opportunities and yeah, share your experience, but do not neglect sharing your experience to the expense of not sharing God's word. Mm, that's that's so good so good um and i and i'm man i'm grateful for guys like um you and others who've kind of poured those things into me i had um a guy tell me one time you know we we don't enjoy a lot of times giving that especially a hard word of truth and so if you're like excited to do that then maybe you're not the one to to give it. Um, and so, I mean, just two things from what you said that I think I want to take with me is just when you got to know truth to be able to deliver truth. Uh, and then we just want to love people well and we want to be gracious. And that's one thing, brother, that I've always um, been um, not impressed by, but really amazed by uh, in you is that you um, say you lean on the side of truth. And I, I believe that to absolutely be true. But the amount of grace with which you treat uh, even me and my mistakes, which I've made many over the past <laughs> five years, uh, and the grace that you demonstrate uh, to your staff, uh, to your uh, leaders, to um, just the men and women at Highland is a gift to us. And so Thanks, man, for being on. Uh, we appreciate it. Yes, thank you for thank your you wisdom. So Thanks, Jeremy and Emily. I'm grateful for both of you guys. Your example to me and the leadership you bring to our church and to the leaders here. We are blessed by the treasures of Jeremy and Emily. Thank you both. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, John. Well, I'm Jeremy. I'm Emily. And we'll catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs>